0: Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. Today's sermon was given by guest preacher, Reverend Susan Peterson. If you'd like to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is from Genesis Chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. You will find this in your Old Testament section of the Pew Bibles on page 10 or on the screen. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. O Lord our God, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path give us grace to receive your truth and faith and love, that we may be obedient to your will and live always for your glory. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Uh, Just a couple of words to set the context. Abram's father had taken him and grandson Lot and Sarai Abram's wife from Ur, to go into the land of Canaan. But they had stopped in Haran and settled there. Eventually, Abram's father died. And then we pick up at Genesis 12.1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took his wife Sarai and his brother's son Lot and all the possessions that they had gathered and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran, and they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. When they had come to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Chechem and the Oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he had built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved on the hill country on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and invoked the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on by stages toward the Nagib. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: I wanna thank you for the privilege that it is to be here and worship with you this morning. It's exciting to see familiar faces in a church that I'm not at very often. In fact, I'm not sure I've been here for worship since I was in seminary just a few years ago, like almost 20 years ago. So it is good to be with you this morning. Thank you for that privilege. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I think it's a pretty safe guess that this text that we just heard is a familiar one to many of us. It's the story of God's call to Abram, a.k.a. Abraham, To move out in faith to an unknown land. It is the story of the human recognition of the one true God. The roots of monotheism. It is the story of the giving of a promise. The making of a covenant. That if Abram is obedient, God will make a great nation of Abraham and his descendants. And that. Through them, all the families of the earth will be blessed. It's the story of the beginning of God's chosen people, the place in Scripture where the story moves from a universal history to the history of one specific people, the people who will become known as the Hebrews. It is this story that gives us a glimpse of God's purpose in choosing a people. If they live in accordance with his moral law, they will be a blessing. And by example, they will draw others to God. All of that in nine short verses. Isn't it amazing? It's quite a story. But even more than that, If we take a closer look, it's our story as well. That may seem a little hard to believe, because after all, what do we really have in common with ancient peoples in an ancient land? None of us were farmers out in the middle of a desert, nomadic existence, believing in multiple gods. So, yeah, it's a little far-fetched. And I'm guessing that few of us will actually be called by God to leave our homes and all that's familiar to us to a place and go to a place that God will show us. And if we obey that call, nations will be blessed by us. But for these next few minutes, I invite you to go with me as together we explore the text and understand a bit more how much we have in common with our ancient ancestors in faith. So as Bill mentioned, Abram's story actually begins toward the end of chapter 11, when the lists of generations that populated the earth after the flood get to a man named Tira. Verse 31 tells us that Terah had three sons, one of whom was Abram. They lived in Ur of the Chaldeans, present-day Iraq. Scripture says that one day, Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, and his grandson Lot, and they moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. Now, the scripture doesn't tell us why they stopped. But they did stop, and they settled there. Why they stopped short of their goal of Canaan, we don't know. But what we do know is that they stayed, and that Tira died there. Then the story continues with God's instruction to Abram to leave family and friends and go to a new place. And here is our first point of commonality with Abram's story. If we use Abram's literal, physical journey as a metaphor for our spiritual journey, we see that no one arrives at his or her intended destination in a single step. At least that's not the way my faith journey has occurred. Fits and starts would be a more accurate description. Abram's journey took place in stages. And on the way to our sanctification, our spiritual journey takes place in stages as well. Abram initially sets out from Ur with the intention of arriving in Canaan. But he and his family settled in Haran for a period of time. And so it is. With us. We are on a lifelong journey, a pilgrimage during which we are called to grow in Christ-likeness. On our pilgrimage, there are periods of growing and learning, moving forward towards sanctification, and then often there are periods of standing still, settling, so to speak. Abram moved on toward his intended destination at God's invitation. And a question for us to consider is if indeed we're settled, we've stopped on our journey. If we're not making progress and growing spiritually toward our goal of sanctification, have we decided to stay put allow other things to get in the way of our journey and our growth? Will we decide to do what it takes to to move forward, or will we choose to be settled where we are? Will we respond to God's invitation and continue on our journey? Casting Crowns, one of my favorite contemporary Christian groups, has a song called Jesus at a Distance. They sing, I was offered resurrection, but I settled for the grave. I had the chance to walk on water, but I chose to play it safe. But no more Jesus at a distance. No more pushing you away. I don't want to settle for the back road of some Sunday morning faith. So I'm holding nothing back now, because there's nothing you don't see. No more Jesus at a distance. Change every part of me. Are we keeping Jesus at a distance? God may desire to lead you to a place of greater service and usefulness to him. He may be calling you to a greater commitment to him. Don't let the comfort and the security of your present position make you miss God's plan for you. So God invites Abram to go to a land that God will show him. I have to say as an aside here, isn't it amazing? You can imagine Abram coming home and saying to his wife, honey, we're going to move. And she says, where to? And he says, I have no idea. I'm just, I honor Sarai for going along with him. It's not just Abram's faith, is it? So God invites Abram to a new land. And we also share this experience with Abram, believe it or not, maybe not to go to a new land, to a new physical place, but God invites us to a new way of being in the world. God calls us to be reflections of his love in the land where we are, to be in the world, but not of the world. Unfortunately, often, I think it's difficult to distinguish the behaviors of those who follow Christ from those who don't. Christ followers should be producing the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Does that sound like our way of being in this world? I think we live our lives on the edge, tempers ready to flare at the slightest mention of things with which we disagree. We prefer to be right rather than be kind or gentle. We're quickly offended. We use social media to argue with each other or to use it as a vehicle to boast how perfect our lives are. Frequently, our lives are a reflection of the world, not a reflection of Christ. Perhaps God is calling us to join him in a new land, A way of being in which we can be co creators with Him. Recently, I was reading Reverend Mark Batterson's book titled Please, Sorry, Thank You. And in there, he writes according to linguists, abracadabra is the most universally Used word that doesn't need translation. It's a word employed by magicians, but the etymology is more spiritual than magical. The ancient words, abra, kadabra, mean as I speak, I shall create. In other words, Words create worlds. The words, said the Jewish theologian Abraham Heschel, are themselves sacred. Words are sacred. God's tool for creating the universe and our tool for bringing holiness or evil into the world. Friends, we can make a difference in creating a new world, a new land to which God is calling us. Abram stepped out in faith and obedience. How will we respond? Another point of our common story comes in the form of the covenant that God makes with Abram and with us. The literal translation Verse 3 in our text reads, The world will bless themselves by you. In other words, according to Dennis Prager, the blessing for the world will come when the families of the earth learn how to act toward one another through living by the moral laws and values God will reveal to Abram and his descendants you blessed by witnessing the faithful living of your fellow pilgrims? When we see those around us bearing the fruit of the Spirit, doesn't that encourage us to strive to do the same? And when we are obedient to the way God calls us to be, don't we experience blessed living? Life isn't simply better when we're walking the path God has shown us? Isn't life just simply better when we're walking the path God has shown us, the path of blessed living as Christ shared in the Beatitudes? Living a life of faith is far from easy, that's not what I'm saying. But it can still be a blessing when we are centered in Christ and anchored to the rock. Just a few days ago, The women's softball team from University of Oklahoma won their third consecutive national championship. In the post-game conference, a reporter asked the question of how the team had managed to handle the pressure of the spotlight that was on them. How they kept the joy all year which came with their success of winning two in a row, let alone three. I don't think he was anticipating the answer that these young women gave. But I'm sure he and all those who heard the response were blessed by what they heard. Here's a little bit of what some of the players had to say. One said, the only way you can have joy that doesn't fade away is from the Lord. That's really the only answer because there's no way softball can give you all that with so much failure in it. Another said, we work hard at winning, but winning isn't all that matters because of our life in Christ. Another said, a huge thing that we have latched onto is eyes up. We're really fixing our eyes on Christ. Like we were saying, you can't fix your eyes on an outcome. This game is giving us an opportunity to glorify God. Once we figured that out, and everyone was all in for that, it changed so much. I can't help but believe that the world was blessed by hearing from those young women. It wasn't just one. It was all four of the players that were seated there. They were blessed. People from the top of their game, so successful in the eyes of this world, but doing what they do to glorify God. That is how we bless the world. When our lives are so reflective of the light of Christ that we draw others to him, and then they are able to receive the blessing of life with God. Are we living with eyes up? So you see, Our story isn't all that different from Abram's. Separated by millennia and geography, we do have a lot in common. God is still calling us to step out in faith, to be obedient, to live lives reflective of his love, to be a blessing to the world. But the question that arises for us is, how's that going for us? How are we doing at that? If we're falling a bit short, what shall we do about it? Well, the starting point is simply say yes to God's call. Say yes, Lord. I want to redirect the path I'm traveling. This current way of life isn't bringing blessing to me or to anyone else. So I say, yes, Lord, I'm stepping out in faith with you by my side. Lead me like you led Abram to a new life. Now that first step can launch you to myriad possibilities for a more faithful pilgrimage through this life maybe joining a Bible study group to understand more of the story of God and how you are a part of God's story, understanding that God has a purpose for you, work that he desires to accomplish through you. Perhaps agreeing to be a part of one of the ministries of this congregation, and by looking at the bulletin, and seeing all that's going on here, I am sure that there are numerous groups who could use additional hearts and hands. And I would be remiss if I didn't also include the encouragement to find a way to attend a pilgrimage weekend as a way to reignite your faith. Let those three days of a deep dive in the love of God be the launching pad for you to experience a new land with God. I know Peg Forbes would like to hear from you if you have some questions, and there are many others who have made that pilgrimage. Friends, the same God who called out to Abram is calling to us. Far too often, I think, we sell God short. We fail to remember that the God who called Abram, the God who formed a nation from a couple who was barren and far beyond childbearing years, the same God who delivered his people from Egypt through parting seas, the same God who came to live among us, delivered us from sin and conquered death, that same God is alive and working today. That same God is calling us to make our earthly pilgrimage, walking closely with him. The only question is... So what are we going to do with it? Would you please pray with me? We are so grateful to you, God, for calling us to live a blessed life with you at our side. We also understand that often we fall short, we stop when we should place our trust in you and keep going to a new land, a new way of being, so that we can create a better world with you. So convict us and help us to understand what you are calling us to do, how you were walking with us as you did, Abraham, so many, many years ago. And help us to truly believe that You are the same God who can use us to change the world if we will but respond to your call. Help us to say yes to all that you are calling us to do. We pray all this in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen.